Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Professional wrestling, the era of the franchise, the era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. <laughs> I sit alone in my four-cornered room, staring at candles. Oh, that shit is on? <laughs> Let me drop some shit like this here. At night, I can't sleep. I toss and turn. Candlesticks in the dark, visions of bodies being burned. Four walls just staring at it. I'm paranoid, sleeping with my finger on the trigger. My mother's always stressing I ain't living right. But I ain't going out without a fight See, every time my eyes close I start sweating And blood starts coming out my nose It's somebody watching North South Connection Welcome to Extreme Menage a Trois Violent Healer Experience here With Extreme Through a Dance JT, Jenny, and Matt Souza Taking you through the history of ECW We started in February of 1994 And we are quickly nearing the end of 1998 here tonight It is an exciting time it's also an exciting time across all of North South Connection. We have great content on audio and video uh, feeds, both. Some are simulcast, some are exclusive. So just follow us anywhere you can find us, any podcast application on North South Connection or on YouTube by searching North South Connection there. You can subscribe, leave a comment, leave a like. We have a lot of cool stuff going on, including we are just about to be wrapping up our daily no-sale countdown war game series. We've counted down every single war games match from NXT, WWE, WCW, and Jim Crockett from 23 down to one with one dropping the day of Survivor Series. So be sure to check all of that out. Again, it's every day around 3 p.m. Eastern. We're counting down the war games. Speaking of violence, we're going to dig into it tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you both? Someone say violence. Very good. Mm. Mm. Mine too. I'm ready for some. Yeah, you're both known for violence. That's for sure. It's true. It's what I'm known for. I think so. All right. Well, physically and verbally. Yes. Right. Verbal violence, definitely. Well, listen, when we last left you, loyal viewers and listeners, we had just wrapped up November to Remember 1998. I, I think we both, we all liked it, right? We thought it was a pretty good show. Um, but then left some questions for sure about where things were headed, both in the world title picture with the return of Terry Funk and a few other odds and ends that are floating around throughout the land of extreme. So we have three episodes of TV here for you tonight. Uh, we're going to start with November 7th, 1998. And this is a very heavy, it's kind of like a post-game show, as we're going to see. So not a ton of new content, mm-hmm. but there's a couple things in here we're going to talk o- over. So we start with footage of Terry Funk walking through the crowd at November to Remember. It's from his perspective. He's got a cameraman with him. He's got his stupid graduation ca- uh, cap on. <laughs> says it's a new Funk U wrestling show for a new millennium. And he heads to the ring. We then get our opening animation. Of course, this is from New Orleans still. We're deep in the heart of hardcore Dixie with our topless L.A. playmate, a Louisiana playmates, a funkin' hour of hardcore TV is what the graphics tell us. Uh, we get some shots of a packed Bourbon Street jazz music blaring. We then see an ECW truck driving down the middle of Bourbon Street. Uh, just kind of the usual open here. 
Joey's in the nest. We see the cat's meow. You know. Oh, we do. Can't, okay, I can't forget that. that. Could you hear yeah. anything coming from inside there? Of course, you can always hear karaoke coming from the cat's meow on Bourbon Street. Okay, well there you go. Well, apparently that was in the background, so if you squint, you can see it. It was. Uh, okay. Yeah. We then head to the nest. Joey's talking about the return of Funk, and he says this is officially the post-game show from New Orleans and November to remember. Joey then narrates stills of Lance Storm versus Jerry Lynn. Backstage, Storm and Tammy Lynn Bitch are talking, and Storm says he wins all his matches. There's nothing Lynn, Mikey Whipwreck, or Tammy Sitch can do about it. When you break into Calgary, you're taught to win. When you pay money for a ticket to see Storm and Bitch do their thing, you'll get the best match on the card. He continues to enhance the tradition of great Calgary wrestlers, and he's just getting started, Matt. Any thoughts on anything to this point or uh, that promo? Uh, it feels like Lance Storm is going to is quickly turning into like the brash Canadian type of wrestler more so than we've seen in the past, and I think that's a good character arc for him. And I, I like him with uh, Tammy Lynn Bitch. I uh, I think they work well together. He he needed like someone like that, I think, to kind of boost him. So I think it makes perfect sense to pair him with someone like this. And he's been a better promo over the past like year or so, and this was this was really good. So I'm ready for a uh, smug Canadian Lance Storm. I finally figured out who um, Tammy Lynn Bitch reminds me of. It's Great Value Aubrey Plaza. Now, I don't <laughs> know if that is a compliment or a dig, but... Well, she did anyway, come first. She so was Aubrey good. Plaza just a rich woman's T Tammy Lynn Bitch? Right. Oh, uh, we could we could certainly say it that way. <laughs> I want to, but there's a lot of weird blinking. Uh, Lance was just like this in the camera, just like blinking weirdly most of the time. Um, and his cadence was really weird during this promo. Other than that, I mean, I'm nitpicking, but other than that, it's a good promo from both of them. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been an A plus player. If we're if mm -hmm. we start projecting into '99, like where the promotion's going, you're gonna think he's gonna be mm -hmm. one of the top guys just by the way things are going. So, yep. All right, we get a triple threat promo from November to remember. Joey then talks about the battle of the triple threats. We get clips from last week where Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten got wrecked by the Dudleys, who then won the tag titles from Rob Van Dam and Sabu. And then we get the promo from Axel Balls and uh, Tanaka from the pay-per-view and then stills of the match with the Dudleys where they won the titles. We then go backstage where Axel Balls and Tanaka have the new belts. Axel says one year ago they had the gold in their grasp, but Jeff Jones screwed them. And it's funny that a year later, Balls and Tanaka beat each other down with chairs and then went ahead to win the titles as a cohesive unit that persevered through violent industries. They're being extreme and winning the gold. Any quick thoughts on this promo, Jenny? Uh, it was good. It was a good promo. Um, I I don't know. Not, not much going. We've, yeah, we've kind of basic. seen you know all this stuff before. It was basic. Yeah, it was fine. Axel was uh, really fiery here, I thought. And mm -hmm. I feel like prior to like November to remember, we hadn't heard him speak in like two years. So it's I know. It's, he's a good mouthpiece. Yeah. He's been a good mouthpiece so far. So and all of a sudden he's talking a lot. So it's it's been good seeing him talk. It's an interesting use of Tanaka because like he fits with balls and I like Axel as a mouthpiece for them. But he also is like potential to be a real star as a solo mm -hmm. guy. So it's We'll see how long this team lasts, because I think it might be a misallocation of resources. Yeah. 
All right, we got clips of Funk Storm in the ring. He confronted Tommy Dreamer. That kicked off the pay-per-view. Joey in the nest recaps those issues between Funk and Dreamer. We then get the pre-match promo with RVD, Sabu, Fonzie, the one with Taz. And we get stills of the triple threat war that may have entered November to remember. Backstage we go where Shane Douglas and Francine are talking about the pay-per-view, how the franchise got beat. And he's man enough to admit it. He's proud. And he can talk through his logic. When someone faces Mike Tyson, you have to survive the first 30 seconds and psychologically you've beaten him. Taz came in the ring like a raging bull, went through everyone in front of him, except the franchise at the end. He had his hole locked on, and Shane did not tap. And no, he couldn't admit it. He couldn't escape the hole. He admits it. But he didn't beat him with it, and he's in Taz's head because of it. He took his best, and he's still standing. He's proud despite the loss, and he'll lose again in his career. Not often, but when he does, he'll get pissed off, learn from the mistakes, and this time it took two men in a chair and the most feared hole to beat him. Taz knows his belt is phony, and this is the real earned world title, and it makes him proud that Taz is a mark and it's easier to make the belt than take it. Sabu pinned him, stepped over Taz to steal the pin, and put himself in the crosshairs, as on Ju- January 10th, the guiltiest charge is just him versus Sabu. Shane used November to remember as a showcase, and he was locked in contractually to the triple threat. At 1994, Battle for the Future, Sabu lost, and now Shane is still the champion, and Sabu is still chasing. Shane will remember in November to remember, and it'll only be Sabu and Shane, and he'll show why the franchise and the champ is the champion, and Sabu is just a freak. And then Francine kicks the cameraman out uh, so she can undress. I didn't do this full justice. I thought this was a great promo. I, I mean, mm-hmm. you get a little bit of the Shane delusion, right, where he retcons what happened into it being strategy and yep. logic. But he always mm-hmm. finds the positive, right? He says, okay, well, I lost, but it wasn't Taz that beat me, and he didn't beat me with the hold that he said he was going to. Um, it looks like we've set up guilty as charged, but Taz is obviously still lingering. So, Jenny, I thought, I don't know, I thought this was pretty good from a, a champion that's kind of retreating but also standing tall. It, it is good. It's it, but like you said, he he gets into that, that realm where he starts talking a little much. Like he gets a little lost in the promo, and I feel like more is more with Shane. But just he needs to like just kind of cut. Much like my analysis of his promo, he needs to get to the fucking <laughs> point. Um, but it was very good. Uh, I like this point that it took two men to beat him, and mm-hmm. I love his point that. Um, Taz's belt is a phony piece of trash because I tend to agree with him on that point. Um, like I said, it gets a little shaky, but with Francine as your as your hype lady back there, and then kicking the cameraman out, it's a really good promo, Maddie. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed this a lot. I, I will say I, I do think it's weird that it looks like we're doing Shane and Sabu at the pay per view because mm. because I feel like we really got to burn Taz and Shane like sooner rather than later as we keep going down this storyline. Like I feel like at a certain point, and it, I mean we made I don't know if we're necessarily there yet, but I think at a certain point it's going to be diminishing returns when it comes to the Taz Shane thing. And yeah. I feel like we're kind of teetering on that right now. And I feel like you really got to burn this match soon. So if you're not doing it at the pay per view, when are you going to do it? Like you're going to yeah. do it on a random house show. So that's a little weird. Uh, I did like Shane <laughs> calling the match franchise versus a freak. I thought that was a great line, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, more great stuff from Shane here. He's always been a great promo throughout the entire run of ECW, and this was no exception. And I like that it was a different visual, too. Like, he's undressing big backstage. I'm assuming it was after the main event mm-hmm. in November to remember. So right. it's just a just a cool visual seeing him in that uh, cut the promo there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I agree with everything you said. I agree about the Sabu thing. Like, we talked about last episode, like, how weird it was that Sabu won. Mm-hmm. Um why is he getting a tough shot? We've been marching toward Taz Douglas, so we'll see how things play out as we get to the pay per view. Well, um, uh, also, the- are yeah. we? 
are we, are we talking about the next pay-per-view like already like is it a little early is that weird because they're, no, they're already have a name they already have the date yeah. like i don't know it, it I just guess usually we i guess usually what do we wait a few weeks and then they start name dropping it um right mm-hmm. i wonder it if the holidays have anything to do with it I wonder if the holidays have to do it. Like they know they're going to lose probably a couple of weeks with Christmas and New Year's, mm-hmm. and then it's then it's there right away. Right. So maybe that they're mm-hmm. trying to hyperdrive it because they know they know it's going to get kind of crazy at the end of the year. Perhaps it tells me we might be getting like real sick of hearing about it by the time it gets here. Sorry, <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, the next yeah, the next two months, we're just like, oh, geez. <laughs> All right, Joey's in the nasty mocks Francine and then talks about Sabu pinning Douglas in November. Remember, he says Taz is enraged and he's even more miserable. It ended the relationship between Taz and Sabu. That's already done. And Joey confirms that January 10th will take place from Orlando. Sabu will challenge Shane Douglas for the world title at Guilty as Charged 1999. We eclipse a Funk's apology to Joey in November to remember. Joey's in, and the nasty recaps how Funk was stepping back from wrestling. He wanted a lighter schedule, so he went to the WWF, and his raw appearances got him a lucrative movie deal. So Dreamer didn't reach out when he needed help because Terry said he was done. But Terry took it personal. He got enraged and insulted, uh, and this all took place around the mystery partner tag. So we get uh, kind of footage from that. It's J- Jake Roberts and Tommy Dreamer versus Justin Credible and Jack Victory. Get the Funk attack on Dreamer. The footage from Funk's personal videographer in there as well. And then Joey and the nest wraps this up. And gives Tommy credit that he has not yet struck his mentor, Matt. Any quick thoughts on the final kind of talk about that feud? So this is like the second or third time that they've mentioned Terry Funk had some some sort of movie deal. What movie was it? Was it it Beyond the Mat? Like, what other movie could it possibly be? Yeah, I don't don't know what else he was doing at that point. Maybe. Like, is that a lucrative deal? Were they paid for that? I don't know. You get (laughs) paid for documentaries? I don't know. Yeah. 20 bucks and a pack of gum. Uh, but it's just, they've mentioned it like two or three times. It's just super weird to me that they keep mentioning this. Oh, this, uh, this Terry Funk movie deal. Like he's in a fucking movie with Tom Cruise or something. It's just super weird. Uh, he was in. Yeah. I don't know. Active stealth. Looks like it was a video movie. I don't see anything else. Like in that time Sounds period. Lucrative for sure. Mom, oh, can yeah. I keep her? That was a 98. Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Wait, it was what? beyond the mat. That's all I can think of. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wonder how much money beyond the mat made. Uh, I don't. I don't know. We can look it up. But I saw it in the theater. I know that because I was like so excited that there was a, a wrestling mark. documentary in movie theaters. <laughs> uh, made two million dollars, and the what? budget was only five hundred thousand. So. Oh, Terry Funk got half of that. <laughs> Terry Funk got half of that. <laughs> I don't know if you get paid for that, that shit. Like, I, I don't know what the deal is. If you just get like like SAG credits or something, I don't know. If any any of our actor friends out there watching or listening <laughs> knows how this works. Do you get paid for being interviewed in documentaries? I mean, it's like a stipend. I can't imagine you're paid like for a movie, like a movie right. type of salary. I don't know. Uh, all right, uh, I didn't really have much in the awards categories here for moment. I just had Shane's no. promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, most 90s, I had Funk, <laughs> Funk retiring and returning again. There was yep. uh, Shane mentioned Mike Tyson, so that's what I had. No, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Uh, Rising, I just had Douglas and Storm, and I didn't have anyone following, really. Everyone was mm -hmm. pretty much okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I gave it a six and a half out of ten. I mean, I think it was good for a post game. Like, it, it was a couple of fresh promos. If, if For people who didn't see the pay-per-view, I think it's pretty good. You get all the stills and kind of get the news and notes out of the show. So, I think it was a little better than average as far as, like, post-game wrap-ups go. Do we like these as opposed to like just straight up replays of the full matches? Do we like the still photos and the couple little tiny new things we get there? Like, yeah, I mean, because back in the day, I think we got more full matches because it was the arena shows and they were just mm -hmm. going to be released on video. Mm -hmm. I think here they're trying to hype the replay to try right. and still order it on pay per view or get the tape later. So mm -hmm. I think that that's what most promotions did. In they the don't want to burn the matches on TV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They try and get you to to order order the replay or to order the tape. And WDF and WCW did a lot of the same stuff. For, for the week or two after the show, they would usually just show stills and then save the clips for like down the road when it's all right. Mm -hmm. Whoever's gonna buy it, bought it already or rented it. But I would agree. I did six out of ten. Yeah, I, I like this episode. You got a good Shane promo. We already know, like Jenny mentioned, we already know what the main event of the pay per view is gonna be. So that was interesting. But uh, I, I did the six out of ten as well. All right. All right, let's go to November 14th. Joey's in the ring at the Madhouse of Extreme in Queens. The crowd is hot. Joey says he's the next governor of New York. But before he can, can continue, Taz comes out. Taz says he got screwed by Sabu when he let his guard down. He had Shane choked out Brooklyn style, and Sabu had to steal his thunder. When he gets the chance again, he has a problem with Shane and Sabu. Out comes Douglas with Francine. She has her hair straightened here. That was looking good. Taz yeah, says Shane does. better be... Like <laughs> yeah. Mixing it up for a night out on the town, perhaps in New York City. Uh, mm. Taz says Shane better be prepared to go down and to talk. Shane says he isn't here to fight. He's here to set the record straight. Five years ago, a brash young man set ECW on fire by fucking with people's heads. He said, fuck the world. But since then, Taz began to fuck with people's heads and manipulate things in ECW and got fucking good at it. Shane tells the fans to shut the fuck up. And then in November to remember, he was man enough to say he was strapped in the Taz mission and couldn't escape. But Taz is the man that can't that could beat Sabu. At barely legal, he put Sabu down. And at times over the past year, Taz raised three fingers at the triple threat and even put the shirt on one time. Shane has another proposition for Taz. He calls Sabu a jackass and says he earned a title shot at Taz's expense. And now he has to face Sabu in January, and Sabu will do anything to take his title. So Shane says it's usually two steps ahead. And if Taz does him one tiny favor and eliminates Sabu before January 10th, break his neck and his spirit and will so he can beat him a uh, guilty as charged to lay the world at Taz's feet. Taz can have the triple threat. He can have Francine and he can have whatever, however much cash he wants. If Taz stops Sabu before January, it's all his. Shane and Francine leave as Joey says Taz can't be bought, but Taz looks to be pondering as he walks off. Uh, so Maddie, I thought this was an interesting segment. Shane, keep up his mind games, try to prey on Taz. You never really know where Taz is at. Like, is he playing mind games back? Is he actually considering this? I mean, it doesn't take much to get this guy to kill Sabu, right? Usually. So yeah. if he can go murder Sabu again and bang Francine and get paid for it, why not? Uh, what did you think of the way this played out? Yeah, I think it was interesting that they kind of left it up to interpretation as to what Taz is going to do. Because usually that's a thing where they would just burn through it right away and Taz would fucking choke him out or something. So I like that they kind of left it open as to, you know, and you can sell that for a couple of weeks or whatever. Like, what's Taz going to do? Is he going to, you know, fuck up Shane? Is he going to do what Shane wants? So it is an interesting wrinkle to this, but 
at the same time, I kind of still don't know how I feel about this whole Taz, Shane, Sabu situation. It just feels very weird to me. And it, it feels like you're trying to get to Canada, but stopping in Texas first to get to what is ultimately the main goal here, which is Taz and Shane. So I, I, I'm kind of at the point where I need to see more <laughs> to see if this whole thing is going to work for me, Jenny. Yeah, I would say that's right. I need to see moi, moi, more. And <laughs> I don't think that Taz is going to be bought. I don't think Taz wants the triple threat or Francine. Um, but I think he would gladly string Shane along and take mm -hmm. care of Sabu uh, in the meantime. So uh, funny how Shane is changing up his tactic a little bit here. And sort of acknowledging the FTW belt, which was yeah. disappointing uh, for me. But Well, he's trying to use it as a butter up Taz, right? He's trying to just exactly. play to Taz's uh, yeah. ego a little bit. And, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, it's all, right? It's, a, it's as Larry Zivisco would say, it's a human game of chess, right? Like, both guys are kind of trying to mess with each other's heads. And, you know, they both have a common enemy at the moment in Sabu. So we'll see. See who wins out. All right, we get our opening animation, then we head to the ring as the Dudley boys are out there. Joel Gertner goes through his usual uh, intro. He says it'll be a fair fight tonight against Tanaka and Mahoney because Axel Rotten is not in attendance and has nothing to do with his own injuries. He's at a medical center in Baltimore tending to his grandmother that is ill with cancer. Joel says he's been to his grandmother's home before, and even though they hate them all, he proudly tells the fans that the show is dedicated to Axel's grandmother, which shocks Joey. Bubba says Joel bent the truth a little bit. And while it is true that Axel's with his grandmother, it's not true she's dying of cancer. She's not at a hospital. The old bag $5 whore is in the Mayo Clinic with a bad case of syphilis. Joey, of course, is not happy with this line. Uh, Bubba said two weeks ago, Devon gave her $2, stuck it in as far as he could, and now she has sickle cell by injection. <laughs> that is a line. Yeah. Uh, Bubba calls balls and Tanaka fat, which is quite the concept. Uh, tells him to get out so that when Axel puts his final rose on Grandma's coffin and lays her old, decrepit body six feet under, balls and Tanaka's bags can be a little bit lighter for the trip to the funeral since they won't have the titles with them anymore. I mean, the crowd is just all over him. Mm -hmm. Even Sign Guy kind of gives Bubba some shit. <laughs> and then Devon slaps Sign Guy for daring to talk back to Bubba. Um, after a break, Joey's in the nest. He apologizes and says if Bubba's comments make TV, it's against his own protest. We then go to the ring as Tanaka and Mahoney are out. Uh, before we get into the match, though, Jenny, I wanted your thoughts on the angle before. Uh, what, you, what your vibe is on the Dullies? Are they going too far for this cheap heat? Or do you think this is this is right in the wheelhouse to finally amp up where they should be? Honestly, I was very confused by Joel, and I was waiting for his punchline, and then Bubba stole it basically, and I was like, "Wait, what?" So to me, it looks like Joel's getting phased out. Why do they need a, a fucking mouthpiece anymore if Bubba Ray is going to be talking this shit? <laughs> um, but it, I, it was. Mm, it was fucked up, but I kind of laughed. Um, the Devon reference was funny. Um, sickle cell injection. injection. Is, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just not something I thought I would hear. That's a choice. Um, That's a choice. Yeah. Much like this crowd, much like the crowd, which I enjoyed quite a bit, their reaction to him. 
I hope to God that Axel's uh, grandmother was either dead or in a coma or something, <laughs> so she wouldn't have to hear that. Because Jesus Christ, good lord, yeah. it's it's definitely pushing the envelope in a way that we haven't seen at the very least in a very long time. Because yeah. my lord, yeah, it was intense. I, was I mean, this shoot is... or work. I don't know if she was really sick or not. If they were just using it for cheap heat, I guess we'll we'll find out. I mean, yeah. this is gonna be the deadliest thing for. Know. Mm-hmm. For most of 99 here, the, this intense yep. promo work. So, uh, All right. The champs are out. We get a, a fight that goes quickly to the floor. Dick inserts himself uh, into things by stomping Tanaka uh, while Balls bounces Bubba around the ring. Tanaka fires back on Bubba outside as the brawl rolls on. Devon does a people's headbutt to Balls for two as Tanaka mashes Bubba with a hard chair shot on the floor. Devon gets two on a middle row leg drop, but Balls revs back up, gets a near fall on a super kick. Tanaka and Bubba are warring outside. Balls gets a big elbow off the top on Devon for two. Tanaka smothers Dick on the floor and then knocks him into the crowd with a big clothesline. Bubba pulls out a cheese grater, slams Balls with it, and then drags it across his head in a nasty-looking spot. Tanaka is still stuck battling Devon and Dick on the floor, uh, so he can't help. After a break, Tanaka gets a big splash for two as Bubba and Balls return to the ring. Balls bounces Bubba down with a superplex as Dick pounds Tanaka. Sign guy hits Balls with a sign, but Balls shrugs it off and absolutely murders Gertner with a chair shot to a big pop. All four guys get back in the ring. We get the usual big chair duel with the heavy shots that end up taking the Dudleys down for near falls. Tanaka and Balls hit roaring elbows through chairs for two. They hit stereo tornado DDTs and Nutcracker sweet combo, but can't finish the Dudleys off. The Dudleys reverse the spots, hit stereo moves into the chairs, and finish Tanaka with the 3D to become five-time ECW Tag Team Champions, which pisses off Joey that they can now call themselves the best team in ECW history. So this is a fun brawl. It had all the violent spots you'd want if you're into it. Balls and Tanaka got their moment. They looked like warriors uh, at November to remember, but they take a hard loss here. The belts belong in the heat-seeking Dudleys. I'm okay with it. I I like giving Tanaka and Balls the the moment, but I think the Dudleys as champions right now, running their shtick is what means more for the tag division. And I believe Tanaka, like we talked about earlier, also belongs in the solo division, uh, not not tied down to a tag team stuff. So, um, you know, they're high level. They should be dominating. I thought it was a little bit better than November to remember with the heat on top of it. So I went three and a quarter stars, Matt. Yeah, uh, I thought this was pretty much on par with the other matches they had. I went uh, I went three and a quarter on this, too. Uh, I mean, it, they had a lot of the same spots as the November to Remember match, the chair duel, the uh, the double uh, double team maneuvers near the end, stuff like that. But it all lo- still looks really good, so I, I enjoyed that. Uh, new tag team champs again. I think, like you mentioned earlier, I think this pool, may- not probably, but it might lead to Tanaka kind of splitting off and doing his own thing. And I wonder if they did this, you know, with Mike Awesome being out for a while. I wonder if they kind of did this just to kind of bide their time until they figure out what to do with him. Because like, yeah. I'm assuming if Mike Awesome is still around they're probably not doing this tag thing they're probably doing tanaka awesome into the ground like 15 times by (laughs) this point you know so i I wonder if that is part of it so i mean fun stuff i I enjoyed this match three and a quarter for me and uh new tag team champions again like you said i think it makes sense to have the dudleys win it again they are the tag team in the division right now so it makes a lot of sense to me so three and a quarter jenny yeah, it makes sense. That doesn't mean I have to like it. I feel like <laughs> Joey about it. Um, not not great. I wanted Balls and, and Tanaka to have at least a little bit more of a run. Um, they just got the fucking belts, dude. Um, I don't care. To me, it was all about the moment for them. 
they, yeah, they're not tight I mean, being I... tight champions. Mm, all right. Well, I guess the Dudleys are, and will continue to be for a hot minute, according to what y'all have said. Um, so I guess I better just get fucking used to it. Um, can't wait for the feuds with who the fuck else do we have in the tag division? RVD and Sabu with well, that's a thing, right? God yeah, yeah. who else? Right. Mm-hmm. What's the tag division look like? This is the is the best is the best point here that <clears throat> Dudley's back on top. Are they going to keep fighting Tanaka Mahoney? Is Tanaka going to go to singles? Is Rotten going to get back in the ring, or is he going to get Rotten Mahoney? So we're definitely lacking on the tag division for sure. Yep. Yes, I did three stars on it. All right, Joey's in the nest. Talks about the title change sets up our main event, which is a pretty unique one. One we haven't seen much. Uh, you'd think mm-hmm. we would have, given they're both ECW stalwarts, and that is Rob Van Dam taking on Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer getting a big TV title match. Uh, the last time they fought, we get clips of it. August 21st, 1997 was the last time they fought in Queens. And that led to a brawl between Beulah and Fonzie and Dreamer picking up the upset win. So that's how long ago this was. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, we start slow with some feeling out, some basic control, encounters into resets. Dreamer heats up, knocks RVD to the floor with a clothesline. Sabu checks on his partner. Dreamer follows out, hits a running chair shot to RVD. RVD turns the tide, shoots Dreamer to the railing, kicks away. Dreamer comes back with a Russian leg sweep on the floor. Joey says the NYSAC, uh, the New York State Athletic Commission, requires mats on the floor. So that's why we have them here. Tommy shoots RVD to the railing, grabs a chair, but Fonzie grabs a chair. RVD dumps Tommy into the fans. RVD slams Tommy's face into the railing, beats him with a springboard somersault plancha. We head back inside. RVD works over Dreamer as Joey hypes guilty as charged. RVD kicks away, misses a baseball slide drop kick with a chair. The crowds were pretty pro RVD in this match. Dreamer hangs RVD in the tree of woe, but RVD pulls himself up. So Tommy wallops him with a chair, hits a nasty handman's deck breaker for two. A very sick looking spot. Tommy misses an elbow off the middle rope, dodges a Van Daminator. However, RVD trips him up and dives, drives him into a chair for two. Tommy puts RVD on the top and slugs away, hits a superplex, heads up, and it's a frog splash for two. Tommy hits a nasty pile driver, but after a break, RVD's back with a slingshot sidekick. RVD's banged up as he hammers a Dreamer, but Tommy catches him on a float over and hits a Dreamer driver. Tommy goes outside, gets a table, bridges it, and puts RVD on it. Slides in, gets a chair, sets it up in a very weird place where Sabu can trip him and he falls into it. It was a bit too uh, contrived. Sabu is in. He smashes Tommy with the chair and stomps away. RVD puts Tommy on the table. Sabu is a triple jump elbow to put him through it. Back inside, RVD hits a tumbling senton for two. RVD counters the DDT with an ordinary light suplex for two. Tommy ducks a chair and then counters a DDT with the Spicoli driver. Douglas is out. He attacks Sabu, but Taz shoves Shane aside and batters Sabu. Candido is out, but RVD flies into them with a plancha. Just Incredible comes in. He canes Tommy, hits That's Incredible. RVD's back in, hits a frog splash for a great near fall. RVD then crotches Tommy on the top rope. Fonzie picks up the chair, and we get a uh, Super Van Daminator for the win in a very good finishing stretch. Uh, and I thought this was a hot match. Two ECW legends. The crowd was rocking. The chemistry and flow was great. Or a very good TV main event. Each guy brings a lot to the table still. And a good tease late that RVD's could, reign could have ended. Uh, but also keeps the Guilty Charge main event heat in place as well with Sabu and Shane. And shows that we're not done with Credible and Dreamer either. So a lot's going on here. Uh, the RVD Super Plancha was awesome. Just a great match, Jenny. I went three and three quarters. Like I thought this was fantastic. Look, it might be a hidden gem because I gave it the fuck it four. Um, I like this match. I like all of it. I like the heat mm-hmm. from the crowds 
lot going on. You get your classic spots from Tommy Dreamer. That uh, Dreamer driver had some stank on it. It was mm-hmm. very well done. Um, all of Tommy's stuff did. Um, I love the table spot. I love the Spicoli driver. Dreamer's still kicking out of this shit. It, he gave RVD a lot in this match. Yeah. And um, I was almost thinking Tommy might take the belt. <laughs> I was like, is this what um, we're doing? No, um, if you look at it in, in a vacuum, like Tommy winning and transitioning the TV title to credible for RVD to elevate up, like isn't off right. the table. Like that's, right. you know, that's, that's in play when you look at it here. So, mm-hmm. I mean, RVD's reign has been so intensely long and special that you think it would end mm-hmm. a little bit more hype, but they've ended reigns like this before on random TV matches and in random places. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it, it wouldn't be crazy for them to do it again. And it, it sets up a, what would look to be a clear transition to, to credible if they did it. So. Yeah. And uh, you get all the interference. I'm like, eh, whatever. Um, we have to build those stories, but it sort of bugged me a little bit for, just incredible to come in this match, but I still did the four. Um, and I think anybody that is into ECW should watch this if you haven't. Maddie, yeah, uh, really good match. I went three and a half on it. Hell of a match to throw out here on TV. Just all the moves looked fantastic. I thought Dreamer was great during this match. The the hanging neck breaker was just unbelievable, and RVD selling it like sweet death was fantastic. Just a great spot there. Uh, Dreamer kicking out of the frog splash shocked the hell out of me. I thought for sure mm-hmm. that was the finish at the end, so I thought that was great. And I even thought that like we were heading towards like a no contest or something because of all the interference at the end, but I'm glad they didn't do that and they had a real finish because, I mean, it gives RVD another notch, another big win under his belt, so beating dreamer you know rel- I, not clean but you know just pinning him in the ring i thought is another big win for rvd so yeah just a fantastic match just rvd looked fantastic in it the slingshot leg drop just guy turns out rvd's fucking good have you heard about this so uh three and a half he's real me. good you guys yeah he's super just good hell of a match here three and a half yep and that wraps up this episode we get an rvd music video to close us out uh, so best match, uh, clearly, <laughs> the match we just talked about, RVD and the mm-hmm. Dudleys, uh, and uh, Dreamer. Yep. Worst yep. match, I mean, Dudleys, Mahoney, and Tanaka, which we all like still, so pretty right. strong night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, best moment, I want the Dudleys winning the tag titles, big title change. I mean, I guess, yeah, I by that. default. Mm-hmm. Uh, most 90s, I went with Bubba, heat-seeking promos, and then chair wars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The concussion that Joel Gertner suffered was very 90s. Yeah, that was vicious. <laughs> uh, Rising, I went Dudley's, Dreamer, RVD, Sabu. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. can make an argument for everybody on this show, I think. Well, following yeah, on with Balls much. and Tanaka, I mean, they lost the belts right after winning it. So it's a tough, yeah. tough night yeah. for them. I guess. Um, all right. Overall grade, it went seven and a half out of ten. I mean, this is a great episode. We had a big tag title change. We had an awesome main event. Nothing else, you know, and the opening promo is really good, too, with Douglas and Taz. So this is a very strong TV. Yeah, it feels like we're really ramping up. So I'm doing the seven and a half, too. I'm right there with you guys. Seven and a half. 
All right, one more episode here tonight, November 21st, 1998. We open with Paul E. Dangerously narrating highlights from the end of November to remember. And then Shane's offer to Taz a week ago. He then tells the tale of Terry Funk's shocking return and Tommy Dreamer's title match with RVD last week with Credible attacking Dreamer and then recapping Mahoney and Tanaka's track to the belts, the Dullies regaining them after ripping Axel's sick grandmother. We get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest. He talks about tonight's card. We then go right to the ring for our opening match, and that is Mikey Whipwreck taking on Lance Storm. Storm and Tammy Lynn Bitch are out to the ring. This is a rematch from the pay-per-view. Uh, perhaps, yeah. Lynn charges down for the match. As Joey says, Lynn lost in November, remember, due to biased officiating from Mikey, who claims he just made a mistake and deserves the benefit of the doubt. Before we start, Mikey comes out to apologize to Lynn for his mistake, says he didn't realize Storm was the one that hit him. Lynn reluctantly shakes his hand, and Mikey says Storm hit him in the wee-wee, and it really hurt. So tonight, Storm and Mikey are going to fight in Queens, and he asks Lynn if he can take his place. Lynn hesitates and agrees, and then he leaves. Storm attacks with the belly, stomps away. Mikey fires back with punches and kicks. Hits a whippersnapper, but Tammy puts Storm's hand on the ropes and pulls him to the floor. Mikey pours it on. Storm is able to send Mikey flying into the crowd to slow him down. Back of the ring, Storm gets to work. Pelts Mikey with elbows. Mikey ducks the clothesline, gets two on a super kick. Storm gets a t- tight slide, side Russian leg sweep. Hits a high knee for two. Storm works the neck and head, cranking a chin lock. Mikey comes back with a cross body block for two, but Storm snaps him down with a jawbreaker for two. Storm keeps barking to the camera as he batters Mikey and twists into a single leg crab. Mikey gets a rope break and hops into Enzigiri. That knocks Storm to the floor. Tammy consoles Storm, but Mikey buries him in the baseball slide. Mikey tries to suplex back in, but Tammy holds on to Storm to block it. Storm goes up top. Mikey slugs him down. He gets a neck breaker for two. He runs through some offense, some near falls into a flurry of counters. But Mikey ends up hitting the whippersnapper on the ref as Storm swung around as Mikey was setting up. Tammy hooks Mikey's leg, and Storm hits him with a leg lariat. He calls Tammy in the ring. She slaps Mikey around. In comes Jerry Lynn. He crushes Storm with a chair, and then he kicks Mikey and hits him with a whippersnapper. And Lynn puts Storm on top for the pin and the revenge. In a very good match, Mikey finally in an angle, so that's nice. Nice to see mm-hmm. uh, something finally going on here with him, and uh, they had good chemistry as well. Nice work by Lynn to get even with both guys and set up Mikey by letting him take the match. Uh, Mikey hung around, but Storm is his lights out right now. So Matt went three and a quarter. That's a very good match again. I mean, Storm's just on fire. Mikey's there right with him, and we actually get a storyline from Mr. Whipwreck. Yeah, uh, really good match here. I went three and a half on this. And I I think we've talked about this before, but this combo of like Lance Storm, Jerry Lynn, Mikey Whipwreck, whoever, it's been such a boost to the undercard of all these shows. Like these guys can go out there fucking blindfolded and have like a three, three and a half star match at this point. And they've all been like, I don't think there's been one that's been under three stars that we've seen so far between this uh, crop of guys. They've all been super fun, super fast paced. And I I like that they're adding story to it now because it needed something besides just having the matches i think and i mean your mileage may vary on the story but like you said at least mikey's in a fucking story at this point after doing nothing for seemingly five years or however long it's been uh the the uh whippersnapper to the ref looked a little awkward so that was a little uh that was a little messy i guess you know that's par for the course with a referee spot but yeah i mean i really good match before the story finish and even the storyline finish i think in this instance was fine it wasn't like way too much like it was at the pay-per-view so i i really enjoyed this so three and a half for me jenny let's talk about mikey's story what is mikey's story because really he sounded dumb i don't know what this baby voice that he's doing is um <laughs> 
saying you hit me in the wee wee. Um, I thought we were going heel. I thought that's what we were the doing. The Mikey stuff is weird. Yeah. yeah, it's like he goes from like the, yeah, like little kid talk. And then he tries to, so he can switch to being tough. So it's like, oh, he's still a little yeah. kid, but he can get tough. But yeah, like I seemed like he was going to heel. So I don't know if this was supposed to be like the insincere kind of heel stuff where he's still trying to act like nice little Mikey, but he's really kind of being a dick. I don't know. It, it is weird. But I guess it's at least something, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I am with it. Uh, sure. I, I guess um, I guess I'll take what I can get. He's still in, like Matt said, he's still in good matches. He can still go, and I love seeing him. I just, I wish I, I had like a, a better thread on what he's actually doing in the in this mm. story. Um, but I love seeing him with Storm. I love seeing him with Lynn. Uh, and Lynn, he, he had a little dickish, but I mean, I guess he was just getting Mikey back, but... Um, I was like, come on now. I, I need my baby face, Jerry Lynn, at the very least. So I did three and a half. Finish, meh. But I like the match. All right. Well, let's continue to roll on here as Joey's in the nasty plugs what's up ahead and says they have a cameraman in Harlem where New Jack is standing by. He warns this interview is likely to be oh, inappropriate. <laughs> New Jack is standing against a fence. He says he told the cameraman to meet him there, not in a studio or a safe setting, because he wants to feel at home. The cameraman came, and even though he's scared, New Jack has put up with a lot of bullshit over the last three years, but he established himself as the original gangster. He doesn't sing, rap, or dance, goes to the ring and whoops ass. Beat down Jack Victory, and he's out with a torn-up knee. He'll keep beating anyone in front of him until he gets tired. He deserves all he gets after diving off balconies, cliffs, multiple stories, but he gives the fans what they want. Doesn't care about Mustafa or any of the partners. He asks for nothing and he'll get his with no help. People say New Jack is a problem. He's always causing trouble. But here he is drawing money and putting asses in seats. He doesn't have to wrestle. The fans want violence and beatings. His wife has to carry him up and down the steps. She helps him piss and he gets paid for it. And he doesn't feel bad. He does whatever the fuck he wants to do. And if you don't like it, go watch that fake shit. This could be a work or a shoot, but either way, he'll beat your ass if you step to him. He'll sneak. Uh, he'll either seek you or come at you like a man. He'll get you. He's established to care about nobody. No belts, titles, or any of that shit. Just himself as he carries his own weight. Mustafa's gone because he carried him. He carried Cronus as a favor. He doesn't need him anymore either. He ain't no icon. He's just New Jack, and he'll beat ass. He uses weapons to take people out. People don't come because they know they'll get fucked up. They know he's no joke, and he'll always be that way. He ain't going to WCW or WF. When he's done with ECW, he'll do nothing else. Maybe he'll drive a trick or a, a truck or a cab, and he won't dress him up in pink panties and high heel shoes. Sandman, Raven, Richards all went on. The Pitbulls sold the fuck out, but you can't buy him. He does what uh, it does time when he has to. You can never say he's a sellout, and he doesn't care what anyone thinks. He created the violence in wrestling. It didn't happen until New Jack went out like a lab rat and originated it. And no one else gets the credit. He started it. If anyone else offers him a contract, they'll say, kiss my ass. He doesn't need it. He'll just beat ass, and he's the original gangsta. So quite the promo and potential reset as a character, or I will, we're talking movies, we're talking beyond the mat. This to me felt like an audition for this guy. Like <laughs> he went to Paul and said, can I like make like a real monologue or something? Because if you remember for you beyond the mat aficionados, which mm-hmm. was filmed at this time, he, the whole movie, his part of the movie is trying to get a, a role in a Denzel film or whatever. Mm-hmm. And memory goes with, he asked Barry, oh. Uh, Blasting to help get him an interview and all that. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's his whole part of the movie is about trying, or the uh, documentary is trying to get a movie role. So, as I'm watching this, uh, it was kind of clicking with me around this time. Like, this felt very much like, hey, Paul, do you mind if I take like five minutes to like show off 
<laughs> my my talking and acting like that that's what it felt like to me i don't know if i don't know what you guys saw the promo in general but that that stuck out to me only because i knew the timeline i mean i can see that he might think that this is acting um but i mean mostly to me he sounded fucked up like he sounded mm. like a drunk rambling um mm -hmm. I'm not saying I, I disagree with what he was saying. I, I liked what he was saying, um, but it was very rambling. It was not, it didn't tell us a story, right? It just threw a bunch of shit at us. And he just basically said that he would fuck everybody up all the time. So, I mean, it's not new. It just look, I'm not saying like, he's uh, Lawrence Olivier, but I mean, like, I'm just trying <laughs> to say, like, if he's looking for like a monologue to put on a reel, Right. to like show to someone as an audition or whatever like that's what it, it felt like that to me because he doesn't really it doesn't advance any angle he's not really in a story mm -hmm. it, it's not like he's not doing anything it's just literally a guy that we've seen for four years reintroducing himself so it just felt different than anything he's done before that's why like it it made me wonder is he trying to use this for something else hmm. yeah i, I... <laughs> I don't think he was acting. I think he was, you know, I, I think this is just kind of who he is. And the thing about him is like, it comes across in these promos that you can feel that he believes every fucking thing that he's saying about himself. So, I mean, he's got that going for him, but you're absolutely right. This was very rambling, especially by the end where he's just kind of like trailing off at the end. And he's saying, you know, fuck Raven, fuck Sandman, fuck Stevie Richards. Like, it was good at the start, but then by the end, it's like, all right, you're you're kind of just saying the same thing over and over again at this point. So, I mean, it was entertaining just seeing him do his thing. And I, I liked when he said basically that he created all the violence you're seeing in wrestling now. I thought that was a pretty good line. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was very, very rambly from New Jack. All right, well. We'll see if he ends up in any big movie roles along with Terry Funk. <laughs> Joey plugs great, uh, guilty as charged 99. He then narrates fan cam footage of the end of a match in Pittsburgh between Shane Douglas and Sabu. The ref got knocked out. Jeff Jones came down. Both refs ended up counting a double fall where both men collapsed through a table and draped their arms on each other. Jones tried to give the win to Sabu, but Jim Molyneux countered the win for Douglas. The refs argued and Candido and Bigelow came out and argued. Bigelow took out Jones and shoved Candido, Fran, and Douglas in a fit of rage before beating on Sabu. RVD came out and attacked Bigelow, then rolled right into their match. We clipped through it. As RVD is flying around as usual, Bigelow tries to beat him down. Bigelow puts RVD on a concession table, but misses an elbow and lands hard on it. And RVD puts him through with a splash. Later in the match, Bigelow took back over ringside and gets a powerbomb for two. RVD came back and hit a frog splash and a top rope bandaminator for the win over Bigelow in a super uh, fun, hard-hitting match. And uh, from what we saw, we didn't get the whole thing, but it looked really mm -hmm. cool, Matt. Yeah, uh, definitely very cool. Uh, I love how they were determined to break this one fucking concession stand table instead of grabbing another one. I thought that was that was very funny to me. Like, there's probably 38 other fucking tables in this place. Just grab another one. No, we want to break that one. That's the one we have to use. So I, I thought that was very funny. But yeah, I mean, we've seen it before. RVD and Bam have great chemistry with one another, and this looked like no exception, Jenny. Agreed. And Joey tried to call them unbreakable tables. Uh, I don't know if he meant ungimmicked tables or not, but <laughs> they were, they broke, didn't they? So they're not unbreakable. Because if you put Bam Bam Bigelow on a table, eh, he's probably going to break it. Um, 
I love that top rope Van Daminator. And um, I wish I had seen this whole match. Although it's one of those ones where I wonder if like, oh, they have a good chemistry, so probably would have been good. Sometimes you get those clips and it seems awesome, and that's because they cut out the the stretches that would Shit. drag it down. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, so as we're getting into our, our next match, uh, Joey has some interesting comments, and I guess we'll talk about it now. So he says, Bam Abigail did not sell out, and he's not going to say he left because he couldn't handle it. He's one of the toughest guys in the world, and he could take out Goldberg and win the WCW world title, but he can't beat RVD. And that's a compliment for RVD and not a dig at Bigelow, who looks like he is toast. And that's because he is, guys. So Bam Bam Bigelow got the payday from WCW. He's gone. He'll be at by Starcade. So, uh, you know, he had a, pretty much a good two-year two run here for the most part. It was a huge part of some big-time storylines. Was a world champion. Helped, you know, had a little mini feud with Douglas and rebuilt the triple threat alongside him. I, I'm not going to say, like, like he's definitely sad to see him go because he, he's been great in this run. Um, but I'm also wondering if he maxed out a bit, like he can only be Douglas's bodyguard for so long. And it's kind of like, what else? Like I'm okay with him going to get paid at the back end of his career to make that guaranteed Ted Turner Bischoff scratch uh, before he, he hangs it up. I mean, he just put himself through hell for two years uh, in the bingo halls, taking a beating. Mm-hmm. Why not go get, cash in on it but it's sad to see him go but it was one that I didn't it didn't bother me that he took the payday I mean whatever whatever I, I don't handle these things well I never do uh, I don't like it and it it was sudden like it's just like oh we just get an announcement blah blah there's no video package there's no goodbye match or last match or nothing and that's the worst part about it I'd rather just have a long, drawn-out Terry Funk-esque goodbye than, you know, this bullshit where, oh, Sandman laughs, oh, Bam Bam's gone. Like, <laughs> okay, well, fuck you then. Do what you gotta do, bro. I'll be here in 1999. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was looking at the dates, and I'm like, you know, Bam Bam shows up on WCW in November, so it's got to be coming up at some point that he's leaving, and uh, turns out it was this episode, and it, it is weird that it's just like, well, he's gone, and there's nothing we can do about it, so that was that was a little weird, so I... Well, I, I think a lot of these guys get, they must just get reached out and get paid, yeah. and they're like, you're not, you're not, like, <laughs> you're done, you know, so like a lot of them seem to have maybe yeah. one last match, and that's it, like... Right. We don't yep. get too many kind of final runs. Like, we got a couple of guys that did it, but not many. It's like as soon as they come calling with the check, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to right. risk getting hurt now and, and screw it up the money, so I'm out. Um, so I think a lot of times these W just have short notice. Um, yeah. I like that they didn't bury Bigelow. Like, I'm glad right. Joey gave him kind of a hero's set well, off. yeah. I mean, he, he put I, I'm RBD curious to see what left. Shane is going to – yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I just want to know what Shane's going to say. Like what? What? Where does that leave Triple Threat now? Fucking with Taz. That's the last thing yeah. I want to see. Double Threat. Say Triple Threat's on on life support. <laughs> which I mean, honestly, if it Sad. ends here, uh, which it may, I don't know, it may not. But if it does end here, I feel like it's not the worst time. They had the big Triple Threat versus Triple Threat blow off. They lost, and like if they kind of splinter apart, and that's it. Like it's not, it's not the worst time for it to end. If that's when it ends, like. They kind of built and built and built to take on the the three top dudes on the other side and make mm-hmm. a beat. So, 
Um, all right, Douglas and Francine hit the ring because we have our next match as Shane Douglas is set to take on Spike Dudley. Spike marches out to a big pop. He's got a ladder in his hand. He slides it in the ring, sets it up. Shane bails. Shane comes back, hooks a chancery and a gourd buster, chokes away. The crowd is all over Shane. He counters an acid drop of the back suplex. Spike goes low. Shane counters another acid drop by draping Spike across the top and knocking him to the floor. Francine chokes Spike outside. Shane slams him through the ladder for a near fall. Shane hits a stiff pile driver and then slams the ladder back into Spike's shoulder, gut, and across his back. Spike tries to punch back into it. He tries an acid drop, but Shane slips free. Spike finally hits a low blow and an acid drop, but Candido makes a save. Spike hits the acid drop on Candido. In comes Francine. Spike sets her up for an acid drop, but Shane saves with a low blow. Hooks in a reverse Phil Nelson. Sabu comes out to make the save. He uh, beats on Shane. Sabu goes into a camel clutch, but in comes Taz, and he hooks the Taz mission on Sabu as we fade out. So uh, a fun squash. I mean, Spike takes a great shit kicking and Shane doles it out. Uh, he was dominant at great heat. They protected Spike a bit by having him on top for the, the finish. A good post-match with Sabu and Taz as well to kind of push that story along. Uh, this is a, a pretty good close to the show, Johnny. I went two and a quarter. I did two and a half. Um, I, I think Shane needed to like just beat up on something, you know, and just mm-hmm. send Spike out there to get beat up on. And, you know, it Shane looks well, you know, all of it looks great, and I enjoy it a lot. I enjoy Spike a lot. It, just working so hard for that acid drop, finally gets it. Here comes Candido to fuck him all up. So uh, I, I like the ending too. Um, and uh, fucking. Sabu's not going to have much of a neck left by the time we get the guilty as charged, Maddie. He may not have a neck left as it is, so it's it's going to be less than uh, not being left. Uh, I, I went two and a half on this, too. Uh, I feel like, and this is probably because I feel like Shane hasn't wrestled a singles match in like six months, but th- there was a ruthlessness to this match that out of Shane that, that we have not seen in a while, and I think a lot of that has to do with who he was in there with. I mean, Spike is a guy you can, like, anybody can kind on this roster can kind of throw him around, so I think it's a it's a good match to kind of reintroduce Shane as being a singles guy. Like he's not doing these tag team matches. He's in theory on TV, he's healthy. Who knew, who knows if he really is healthy or not? Like, I think he might be at a point where he's never going to be a hundred percent ever again. We'll see. But I think as far as reintroducing him as a singles guy, who's going to be defending his title. I think this was a smart match uh, to have where you could just go out there for five minutes and beat the bag out of Spike Dudley. So it was a fine match while it lasted. And uh, with the expected chaos at the end, I thought that was well done too. So two and a half for me. All right, let's get to our awards here. Uh, best match, I went with Storm and Mikey. Yep. Yep. Worst match, uh, the one we just, uh, Douglas and, and Spike. Yep. Mm-hmm. Best moment? I, I went New Jack's monologue. It's real. <laughs> oh my God. You got to be kidding me, bro. Well, there wasn't much else moment wise. I think Mike's saying, you hit me in the wee wee. It's yeah, probably going to be it. Just Mikey Whipwreck going through puberty again through our very eyes. True. Most 90s, I went with the, the concept of selling out, as a real big fish would say. And then more <laughs> departures for WCW. Yeah, yep. those are both very 90s for sure. Uh, Stock Rising, Storm, New Jack, RVD. I would add Shane there too. Yeah, Shane. Shane had a good night. Yeah. Falling, I just went Bigelow. I mean, we usually do it for the guys who take off, but 
Yep. Bye bye, Bam Bam. All right. Final grade. I went six and a half out of ten. Uh, another very good episode. Yeah, we had a strong run tonight. Though all three of these were really good coming mm-hmm. off the pay per view. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like we haven't had a a hot streak here like this in a in a minute. Uh, I, I'm gonna do the seven. Yeah, uh, I went seven on this too. I feel like coming out of the kind of lukewarmish pay per view, you needed to have really good episodes of TV, and I think that's what all these were. So. All right. All right. That'll do it for us. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed tonight's outing. We'll be back in two weeks with three more episodes of ECW television as we tick ever closer to the new year of 1999. Sure, check out everything we have to offer. North South Connection, video, audio, social media. You can find us everywhere. Great content coming each and every day. I want to thank you for supporting us all throughout this past year since we launched our YouTube channels. We're very successful. We continue to grow. I want to thank you all for that. So, so then, stay extreme. We'll talk to you in two weeks. I went to a drink to analyze my dreams. She says it's like a sex that's bringing me down. I went to a Daddy!